Hi, my name's Monarch, and this is the trail. No. Hey, my name's Alice, trail name Monarch, and this is the trail. Hey, my name is Monarch. Thanks for tuning in to the trail. Alice, what are you doing in there? Come out. Okay, one second. Hey, this is Monarch. Welcome to the trail. Hey there, I'm Jack. That voice you just heard, that's Alice. She's my twin sister. Her trail name is Monarch. I live in Great Falls, Montana, and Alice lives, well, Alice, she lives on the trail. I drove her to the border of the United States and Canada in Glacier National Park on June 22nd, and then dropped her off there. Hopefully, you won't hear too much of me in the future because, you know, this is Alice's story. You'll be listening to her tapes. She's sending them to me from post offices in these little towns she stops in. So I'll just be editing them and posting them as she gets them to me. I'm only prefacing this first episode because, well, she didn't do much of an introduction herself, other than that little bit you just heard. From here on, however, most of my job for her will be to cut down the audio she sends me and then use my reliable access to Wi-Fi to post the episodes on the internet for her. Now... Alice, she tends to ramble a little bit, okay? So this job is more work than I knew I was signing up for. You'll see what I mean. Here she is. <sighs> okay, here we go. Jack, can you uh, tell me where we're going right now? Okay, wait a minute. Why do I have to say anything? Because they're going to hear enough of my voice. This whole thing is going to be like a freaking monologue. But you're with me now, so come on. Eesh, fine. Okay, so right now... We are driving from Great Falls, Montana to Glacier National Park to drop Alice off on the Continental Divide Trail. Yeah, we are. Woo! How far of a drive is it? <laughs> it's about three and a half hours from where I live to Glacier. Three and a half hours till it begins. Oh, don't sound so excited. No, I am excited. Okay, here. Let me have that. I'm interviewing you now. So, how are you feeling today, Al? Oh, well, to be honest, I am freaking out a little bit. How come? Um, I don't know, maybe because I'm voluntarily embarking on a five-month backpacking trip completely by myself, like through snow and glaciers and lightning storms and grizzly bear-infested wildernesses. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, it's not like this is your first time doing this. Yes, it is. This is my first time hiking the Continental Divide Trail. You, you know what I mean. Yeah, 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 whatever. I know what you mean, and you're right. It's not my first through hike. I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail last year, and I loved every second of it. But this feels super different. Like, also, come on, it's always intimidating, even if you've done it before. I mean, especially if you've done it before, because you have a very healthy respect for Mama Nature after you've lived outside for a few months. 
Yeah, but I don't get why you're freaking out about it. I mean, you love doing this kind of stuff. Let's change the subject. I'm gonna have plenty of time with this mic to talk about why I'm scared of the CDT and what I'm scared of about it. Jack, what do you do in Great Falls? Al, you know what I do. Yeah, but my audience doesn't. Remind me who your audience even is. I don't know, just probably other thru-hikers and why my friends. You, but why would they even care about what I do? Uh, just come on, please. We both need to intro ourselves. Fine. <sighs> okay, so um, I'm a nuclear missileer and a second lieutenant with the United States Air Force, stationed in Great Falls. So where exactly do you work? Like, physically? Well, uh, I work in an underground missile silo and I help guard the nuclear arsenal. So I pull a 24-hour shift. Um, they're called alerts every three days. I go down into the capsule at 0700 in the morning and I don't come out until 0700 the next day. How is it? How do you think it is? I mean, I sit hundreds of feet below ground surface in a silo barely bigger than your tent for 24 hours, staring at a blinking screen. Not to be indelicate, but... Has the contrast of what I'm about to do with what you do, um, struck you at all? Yeah, I've thought about it. How do you feel about it? I feel like I serve and defend our country so that you can gallivant around free as a bird. Oh, that sounded a little bitter, bro. We made different life choices, that's mm, all. That's an understatement. Okay, serious question. If there's a nuclear attack while I'm on the trail, how likely is it that I'll survive? Okay, that obviously depends on where the missile strikes. I mean, if it's an East Coast city center though, it's likely you'd live. Would I be able to see evidence of an atomic bomb in like New York City from the Rocky Mountains? You'd notice fallout, yeah. And weather patterns would change, etc. Why are you Why are you asking me about all this? It's like one of my number one hiker fantasies that the world as we know it will end while I'm completely out of touch with civilization, and I'll descend from a ridge to find out that the Earth is like under zombie attack or something. Okay, it's baffling to me that you equate nuclear winter and zombie apocalypse. Yeah, whatever. So, but what's the plan if there is a nuclear winter? Cause like. You'll still be alive because you're in a nuke-proof bunker, and I'll still be alive because I'm hiking in the middle of nowhere, but probably our parents will be dead. Mm, I'd find you. How would you find me? Oh, I can't tell you how, but trust me, I'd find you. Wait, seriously? I'll turn the recorder off already. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you're serious? Come on, really. I, you know I can't talk about this stuff on tape. And this, dear listeners, is why I wanted to interview my brother. Like, listen to this guy in his top secret clearance knowledge. Like, honestly, who are you? <laughs> okay, seriously, Alice. <laughs> <laughs> Please watch out! Watch out! Uh, oh my gosh! Did did that? That deer just—I don't know—it just stood there, I, and I, then it—I swerved. I like it, like ran, but yeah, toward it us. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it totally did. Okay, why on earth would a deer run toward a moving car? That's like. The opposite of its survival instincts. I mean, it looked like... It looks like it knew, like it wanted to die. Okay. Okay, my God. Um, well, I guess it's Montana, and even the deer want to kill themselves. It was bound to happen at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's okay, Jack. We're okay. Even the deer is okay. I'm going to turn this off now.
So, I'm safely in a motel room in the lovely, hospitable Bad Montana. We got to Glacier too late for me to get a permit to camp out in the park tonight, so Jack and I decided I should stay here tonight instead of the sketchy RV park on the highway. We drove by it and looked at it, but it was like $20 for a site and there's no tree coverage or anything. Would have just been sleeping on the side of the road by myself. And this will be my last time in a bed for at least a week while I get through my first 110 miles of the trail. So I guess I should explain what I'm doing, right? Uh, I'm about to set out on something called the Continental Divide Trail. It's roughly a 3,000 mile hiking trail that stretches from the border of US and Canada and Montana to the border of the US and Mexico and New Mexico. It's called one of the big three cross-continental hikes in the US. The other two are the PCT, which I hiked last year, and the Appalachian Trail, which I'm hoping to hike next year. I fell in love with through hiking on the PCT last summer, and I've just been counting down the days till coming out here ever since. Oh, sorry, um, a through hike just means you do it all in one season, like in one go. I am incredibly excited, but also, duh, nervous. <laughs> Even though I've through hiked before, the PCT and the CDT are like totally different beasts. The PCT is famous for being well supported, well trafficked, though less than the AT. I guess I could put some numbers on it. Um, roughly 3,000 people attempt the AT every year, 1,000 to 1,500 attempt the PCT, and somewhere around 150 attempt the CDT. Yeah. I know. The CDT is mostly unknown, and well, a lot of people are scared of it. It's significantly more remote than any of the other trails. If you think about it with the geography of America, it makes sense. The AT traverses the densely populated East Coast from Georgia to Maine, and the PCT spends most of the trail in California, which is also super populated. Montana, Wyoming, Idaho, and New Mexico, four of the five states on the CDT, all boast higher populations of cows than humans. But I'm doing it. Why? Um, I guess because I want to. I want to see if I can or prove to myself that I can. But I do have a healthy amount of trepidation. Well, it's kind of like a trap, right? If you sound too confident, you seem like an idiot. If you sound nervous as hell, you seem like an idiot. So skirt the line between the two and hope no one asks too many questions. I'm also soboing this trail, which is terminology you should know if you want to follow along on this journey. Sobo, short for southbound, means I'm starting in the north and hiking south, which is the opposite way that most people through hike. When I hiked the PCT last year, I noboed. I hiked south to north. I met hundreds of other hikers. Even though I left to do the hike alone, I was never, ever alone on the trail. Some of my, um, oh, well, we call them trail family, the people you hike with for a long time. Some of my trail family are on the CDT this year, but they northbounded, so they're already halfway through Colorado coming towards me. So that brings me to another fear. I have never, ever to this day camped by myself. That was kind of a big reason behind me deciding to do this trail southbound and solo. I wanna face that fear, to learn what skills and like grit I really have when I'm totally alone. I'm not actually sure if I'll encounter another Sobo through hiker at all. Trail has so many alternates and everything, like there's a chance that I'll just miss everyone. Glacier should be okay though. There's always a lot of day hikers and stuff in national parks. I have at least 110 miles where I probably won't be completely solo. So I'm bringing my little microphone with me on my hike this time. I found myself on the PCT really wishing I had one so I could record my thoughts in real time. It was really hard to keep a good trail journal. I was usually either exhausted or socializing at the end of the day. 
too lazy to write things out. And I was disappointed with myself when I came back from the trail and had so little to look back on from this journey. This journey that totally changed my life. Because here I am, less than a year later, doing it over. I want to get into this a lot more, but maybe not tonight because I feel like I'm babbling already. But um, anyway, I wrote my undergrad thesis about, uh, among, you know, like, a million other things, the influence of oral storytelling and legends on community structures. And I'm kind of fascinated with stories of the supernatural. Um, I had a friend on the PCT, and we had this idea to interview people we met on trail about supernatural legends they'd heard or paranormal encounters they'd had. So I kind of want to try and do that while I'm out here too. One of the coolest things about doing a hike like this is there are so many crazy types of characters you meet and get to talk to. And I want to kind of like immortalize some of them. Hear their stories. I'm not totally sure what I want to do with my footage, for lack of a better term, I guess. I think my parents would want me to use it to apply to some sort of anthro-grad program. Anyway, I should really try to go to sleep. It's almost 11 at night. The sun hasn't set yet. Being this far north is seriously a trip. If I don't record tomorrow, I was probably mauled by a grizzly bear. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a story? 25-year-old blonde woman from Bougie, Connecticut thinks she can hike alone in Montana, dies on her first day. Great. I might get a Darwin Award. Then my parents could memorialize me as a dead award winner, which might be better than, you know, an alive disappointment. <laughs> anyway, signing off for now. Take care of yourselves. And wish me luck. I'm alive. I just crossed into mile three of the CDT and so far, so freaking good. It's so stunning out here. The trail started at Chief Mountain next to the Canadian border and immediately started dropping off into a glacial lake basin to a magic seeming place called Elizabeth Lake. There's wildflowers and butterflies everywhere. It's honestly like the sound of music out here. I had a dumb experience when I was getting my permits, which kind of put me on edge. Okay, I was in the process of getting my backcountry permits and chatting with the ranger, the usual, when I noticed this older guy watching me and I assumed he was just waiting for the ranger to be free so he could get his own permits in order. But as I settled my itinerary and turned to leave, he walked up to the ranger and I heard him ask, can I get the same campsite as her? And I turned around and was like, what? Luckily, the ranger was like, um, the campsites are full, so no. And I made eye contact with her and mouthed, thank you, and she winked at me. And I hightailed it out of there to go stand on the highway and hitch to the trailhead. Speaking of, I had one of the best hitchhikes of my life. It was a 40 minute drive from the ranger station to the trailhead, so I'm glad I got a good one. Jack, roll the tape. Okay, for future reference, Al, please don't tell me to roll the tape. That's like so far from what I'm doing. Although, I mean, I guess it sounds better than like drag and drop the voice recording in GarageBand or something. Okay, it's recording. We're good to go. Thanks for agreeing to let me interview you. That's all right, darling. So, can you tell me what brings you out to Glacier? I take a big trip every year or so. I mean, I spend a couple of months by myself, you know, just living out of this old truck, driving around the national parks. I mean, nature gets me out, away from home. I don't have to spend much money, and I get to see a lot of the world, you know. I'm retired, so I have all that time. Uh, why'd you stop for me? 
Oh, you look so pathetic. Oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I'm just seeing a young lady out on the road. I was curious about you. You don't see too many hitchhikers these days, especially not young women. Yeah, no, I guess not. Um, so what's one of the craziest things you've seen on one of your trips? Oh, I've seen all sorts of things. And most of them were in a war. Oh, what war? Well, I was in Central America in the 80s. Wow. Can you tell me about that? Oh, I could, but what do you want to know? I guess, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm trying to ask people I meet out here about supernatural stories. Supernatural? Like ghost stories? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know if you believe in something like that. I believe in, um, I don't know, synchronicity, maybe? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if it's otherworldly, but I've got some weird stories. I have a few ghost stories, but they're all kind of silly. I mean, could probably be explained. And one of the most eerie things that happened to me didn't involve visions or any misplaced items, but it's still with me, it haunts me. I mean, I see it. I mean, it haunts me more than anything I've ever seen. Can you tell me about it? Yeah, let me see. I was in the Belizean jungle. You know where Belize is? It was British Honduras. Well, I don't know if this makes me believe in God or fate or whatever, but the timing was just impossible. It's like nothing you've ever seen or I could imagine. My platoon and I, we, we were heading in a, a certain location, and we heard a woman scream. I mean, in the jungle, a woman screaming. Without a word, we, we just went into formation and we headed towards the noise. We turned around the corner and saw a broken down school bus. There were three men with rifles and combat fatigues and two nuns in the middle of this jungle. And one man, I'll never forget this, he was pulling one of the nuns by a habit towards the jungle. I mean, her head was back, she was screaming, and she was the one that we heard. I mean, I didn't have to say anything to my men, they knew what to do. They just raised their weapons and boom. All three men were dead, just like that. Two of the nuns, they ran towards us, you know, their hands raised, crying and speaking, speaking in Spanish. And we just nodded and just carried on walking. One of them caught my hand and she said in Spanish, bless you, angel. And I always wondered if that's what they thought that we were, that we were angels, avenging angels maybe. Angels just sat there to disappear these people and walk back into the jungle. I mean, the whole thing, from the moment we heard the scream, until we were walking back into the jungle, took less than three minutes. Um, if we hadn't have been there, in that spot, in the whole of the Belizean jungle, at that time, going in that direction, those women would be dead. When I think about it, I think about the pe all the people I've killed. And I can see the faces of them. I mean, it stays with you. I mean, if it turns out there's a heaven and hell, I don't know where I'm going. I've got some things to answer for. I mean, but it's not always black and white. But those three men, those deaths, I'm not sorry about it. I don't regret it for a moment. I think that we were meant to be there. Those women needed to be saved and we were there. What do I know, I'm an old man just yapping your ear off. Just trying to make sense of the senseless. Wow, thank you for telling me that. That, that does feel preordained somehow. Preordained? 
Yeah, okay, preordained, I like that. To some extent, I suppose everything that happens is meant to happen. Yeah, I guess so. Sam told me a few stories, but I like this one the best. The synchronicity of it. We were just at the right place in the right time. Just like Sam was in the right place and right time to pick me up on the side of the highway. It's strange to think about our lives unfolding like that. These little interactions we have with people, our paths crossing, the odds of ever meeting anyone you've met are so small. You could think of it as random, chaotic signals from an entropic universe, but I don't know. I like the way Sam saw it. I think I agree. I'd rather inject my life with hope and wonder rather than chaos. Now that he's looking back on his life, he's trying to make sense of its events, trying to see connections between its happenings, like everything that he's experienced was meant to be. I respect that. I'd like to think that everything that's happened to me, even the bad things, even, even the really bad things. Anyway, I don't, I don't know. I guess that's it for tonight. Thanks for listening. Laura Munsell. I'm the creator of Monarch. The team and I are so excited to get this story out into the world and we have really big plans for this season. To find out more about how you can get involved and help support the show, go to monarchcast.com and follow us on Instagram at monarchpodcast. Thanks so much for listening.